0: in my early 20s getting out of the Air Force when I went to the education counselor and said, you know, I'm, I'm getting out. I have this big GI bill to go to school and the Texas Hazelwood Act on top of that. And, and I can go get my bachelor's or master's degree at almost nothing. So I want some guidance in what I should study. Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast, five minute videos, five days a week. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And yeah, it's been a minute since I was in my early 20s and got out of the Air Force and you know, tried to decide what I was going to go to college for, but one of the things that came to my mind then was, I love to talk. <clears throat> I'm very inquisitive. I sometimes forget to start my timer so I'll know when to shut up, and yes, I need one. And so I talked to her about some of the things that were passionate on my heart, and I said, you know, I have thought or journalism or something like that to be able to share the ideas that I have, to be able to express myself in a way that will that will challenge people but help people get better. And so we spent some time talking about some of the things that I like to talk about, things that are important to me. And I said, I like to write. She said, well, have you ever written anything? And I said, I have. She said, well, you have something that you've written. And I literally opened up my notebook that I had with me, and I pulled out a page. Now, since then, I've written and published three different books. I've got three or four more that are at various stages of completion. Some are about 80 or 90 percent. Some are just in the starting phases. But all in all, I think there's about 10 or 12 books in me at this point in my life. At that point in my life, there were about 350 pages. I literally pulled one out randomly, and I handed it to her, and she read it. And then she got up and walked out of the room. And I just kind of sat there for a minute, like, what? Is it that bad? Is it that good? I I don't know what to do next. So I sat there. It seemed like forever before she came back. And when she finally came back, she sat down across from me and she said, "You know, in my notes here, I've mentioned some people that that you say you admire. Larry King is one of those, and James Dotson." Dodd- and <clears throat> she said, "As I read the read these names, and I read that." Wonder who did you copy that? I so said I didn't copy it from anybody. I mean, those are my own original thoughts. Those those are my ideas. In fact, I'm not sure that either one of those two guys you mentioned would even agree with what I wrote. She said, "Well, that kind of lies the problem that I'm that I'm facing." She said, "You know, your writing is very good. You're very articulate in your ideas. The problem is to go into journalism." Your ideas don't fly in the world of journalism. This was in 93. She said, nobody's gonna agree with your ideas enough for you to get published. Nobody. If you were to take that to, to get published, I don't even think you'd get that published in a book. Your ideas are, are pretty intense. I said, okay. She said, "Now I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying they're intense. I said, okay, well, what about the field of psychology? If I, if I actually be able to help people? And she said, <clears throat> I'm not sure that psychology would continue to agree with the ideas that you have. I, I think your ideas are strong and they're well well articulated. She said, here's my problem. I think that what you have to say is so clear. And what you have to say is so articulated and it's so concise and it's well expressed. But there's no way in the world that a 20-year-old young man understands what you wrote there. And that's the problem. No one's gonna believe it's yours. I'm like, I it, it's absolutely mine. It, I mean all of Mine. These, are, these are my ideas. These are my thoughts. I don't know anybody else that's thought. I haven't heard anybody else say them. And she said, well, I think your problem is going to be not the level of education, but the means of expression. Because people are really going to begin to understand and appreciate your ideas when your hair is turning gray or it's starting to fall out. Because you're way ahead of your time. And that was about the fourth or fifth major opportunity that I had in my life for someone to hand me a bucket of, here, you should just quit now. And I took it. Now, I'm, I'm glad to say that, and realistically, we spend about 75 to $100 a month in Facebook ads to be able to promote this particular podcast and some of the interviews that I get to do with very intelligent people, way more intelligent than me, and to spread those around the world. And I think in the last 30 days, we've reached about 320,000 people globally. It's nothing spectacular. It's not, you know, any of these guys with their 20 or 30 million views. I mean, even the guys that are just pranking each other have hundreds more views than I have. But I do have a platform to express myself. And I do have a way of doing that on a regular basis. And so I get to bubble up these ideas inside me and share them with people and that's very valuable to me. But I also realize that there are those people who don't necessarily have exactly the same ideas that I do and yet I still value them. Is it journalism per se what I do right here? Well, no more than say the nightly news I'm just sharing ideas and and relating those to current topics and current facts and and hoping to challenge your thoughts and your ideas to cause your heart to bubble up with some new knowledge or some new revelation. But at the same time, I realize there's a whole lot of dichotomy in what we call journalism today or what we even call media. Social media versus mass media versus print media. And each of those different medium facts, the, the way that they carry their transmission of information varies according to the psychology of the receiver, as well as the distributor. The conversations, sometimes they're like this, kind of a mini lecture. Sometimes they're really long lectures. Sometimes they're conversations, and sometimes they're confrontations. But I learned in five years of coaching the now world-famous, but long since gone, Dale Carnegie, in his program he talks about how to win friends and influence people. And he says things like, You know, start with a drip of honey. Talk in the other person's interests. Put people first before ideas. And in the section called Learn to Disagree Agreeably, he talks about the power of our ideas, but he also talks about the fact that in the end, the only reason we want to express our ideas is because we find people important. My challenge to you as a leader is to understand that you may have, like I do, a plethora of ideas you'd love to share. You may have done a lot of research and a lot of homework. You may have pulled these ideas from various places and crafted them yourself. And you may find that they're disagreeable for other people. That not everybody sees your ideas like you see your ideas. That not everybody values them like you value them. And my challenge is for you to understand what John Maxwell says, together with what Dale Carnegie says. Dale Carnegie says, learn to disagree agreeably, meaning put the person first over the idea. And the reason for that is this. John Maxwell says leadership. It's influence. Nothing more and nothing less. And if you can't disagree about an idea without destroying the person you're talking to, you can't influence them. You can't lead when all you want to do is argue and name-call. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.